Excellent, excellent. Well, okay. Welcome everyone to the Set Free Speech podcast, where we explore the intersection of recovery and faith through inspiring stories and insightful conversations. I'm your host, Eli Rivera, and I'm visited here by our guest, Stephanie Jeffcoat. And I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey towards healing and spiritual growth. In today's episode, we have some incredible stories uh, to share and thought-provoking discussions that I believe will truly resonate with our listeners. So let's dive in. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing great, Eli. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. We're excited to have you. And, um, you know, I know we were talking a little bit before we jumped on this podcast, but um, I have a ton of questions. First and foremost, um, you know, when did you come into contact with the Magic House? Who introduced you? How is it that we're sitting here today? I was introduced uh, to Magic House by my friend Ashley in sometime around June, um, I believe. And the first time that I came here, I was just like, what is this? Like I had never attended any type of like recovery that was anything like what I was seeing here at Magic House. So I immediately was drawn in. Awesome, awesome. And and um, you've met Pastor Chief. In fact, I heard through the grapevine about your incredible story right um and we're going to get into that because i think that's going to help a lot of users or uh users recovering addicts people that are not addicts everyone their story is very impactful right um but first i want to ask you something because let's talk about what you're doing right now okay what is it that you're currently working on right now in life there's so much that god has me working on right now um currently i'm a student at cal state fullerton working on my bachelor's degree for political science Mm -hmm. but i'm also as we speak, studying mm-hmm. for the LSAT, which I will be taking next week. Wow. Um, the plan is to become a dependency attorney. I want to represent parents who have had their kids taken by the foster care system. Wow. Um, I have lived experience with that myself. My daughter was adopted. And so that's what kind of like lit that fire in me to pursue this path again. Wow. Wow. And I swear to you that this is not by coincidence. I told you that you were working on your uh, I told you that my sister was also working on Elsa. I didn't know you were going for that. That's exactly what she's going for too. But she's, I mean, she's way, she's got a lot of work to do, right? Like you said, it took you about a whole summer to study for it. She's barely at the beginning stages, but that's very awesome to be talking to you today. So <laughs> I want to ask you something. Um, how many, how long, how long have you been sober for? I've been sober for a little over four and a half years. Four and a half years. Okay. What was that? 55 months. 55 months this weekend. Okay. And one thing that I noticed that you were saying that I actually share with you is like, we feel like we're catching up. Like we have a lot to put on our plate. Like we need to get this done, right? Like, cause we either wasted a lot of time or we just didn't get started in the past. Right. I share that with you because I'm trying to like, I want to get there. I want to get there yesterday. Right. Um, but I do want to know how do you maintain the fire and passion for recovery while you're also dealing with like life on life's terms like how do you maintain like what do you what are your strategies to do that and what would you tell someone like to best hand how would they best handle adding things to their plate but still maintaining fire for recovery so one of my strategies is prayer of okay. course <laughs> i don't do anything that is um just outside of the will 
um, of God. Like I fast and pray a lot just to make sure that I'm still on the right track. Mm-hmm. So before I even make a move, I'm like, Lord, is this still what I'm supposed to be doing? Okay. And like, show me a sign, like give me some sort of confirmation that I'm still moving in the direction that you want me to be moving. Um, and that's what really helps me because he has revealed to me so much of different things that I should be doing. I think sometimes when God reveals things to us, we want to just like jump ahead and we're like, oh, well, God showed me this. So I'm just going to go and run and do this. But sometimes it may not be the time just because he has showed you something doesn't mean that he wants you to do it in that moment. Mm. So just really being sure that I'm always in alignment with with him and that I'm moving in accordance to the time frame that I'm supposed to be in. Wow. Wow. So if I'm hearing this right. You know, making sure that you're maintaining God in your life as like the pillar for your life ensures that you're making the right decisions, yes. right? Because it may feel very overwhelming, right? I totally struggle with that. I'm like, is this the right thing? If I do do it, is it going to, you know, work out, right? But what I'm hearing from you is we should just make sure God's at the forefront of what we're doing and it's going to work out regardless. He will continue to direct our steps. Man, I love that. I love that. Seriously, the way you said it, it made sense to me. So, um, okay, let's go ahead and dive in a little bit into your, your story. Um, you know, I want, I want the people to listen and hear about what you've gone through to actually get to where you're at because it's an incredible journey. Yeah, so this was not always the path that I was on. Um, for me, my path started early at 13. I already started going down the wrong path. I grew up in a household with a mom who um, suffered from addiction as well. And our house was like the party house. There were constantly people in and out, drinking, using drugs, fighting, just everything. So I didn't want to be there, Mm -hmm. um, which led me to the streets with my friends. And that just was even more trouble. Um, I started drinking at 13 and by 15, I was a full blown alcoholic. I used to go to school with my water bottle filled with alcohol. And as the teachers were instructing the class, I was sitting there getting drunk. Um, But ironically, I was always a good student. Mm -hmm. So even though I may have been drunk, I got good grades. I, you know, passed my quizzes. When I did go to school, I did well. but that just led me down this really dark path. Um, at the age of 17, I became a teen mom and I had to grow up, you know, quick because now it's just not me that I have to take care of. It was a child that I had to provide for. And one of the things that I never wanted was for my kids to be in daycare. I had heard horror stories about, you know, people, children and, and daycare providers that they didn't know and strangers. And so, I kind of made an agreement with my mom to where like, hey, you stay home and watch him and I'll work and pay the bills. So that just added um, even more responsibility on me. Wow. And and that sounds like um, that's a re- very, very uh, a lot of responsibilities, right, mm-hmm. to, to get started. And so it's interesting how as we get older and we mature, right, we start to look back at our path and we become more understanding. Right. That's the beauty of recovery. This, the, the modalities that we're taught in recovery to learn how to look back into our past and not hate it or wish to close mm-hmm. the door on it, as they say in the book. Right. But rather use it as informants to, you know, as to understand ourselves, because the moment we could start to understand ourselves is a moment we could really um, kind of start to work on ourselves okay. to not to not judge ourselves. So, um, wow. Um, so 
what after that you know I didn't I know now you're back in college but can you tell us more what 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 did that lead to Oh, so that led me down an even darker path. Um, at the age of 21, I had decided that I wanted to start dancing. I had a sister who had been doing it for years, and I had been watching her and seeing how much money she could make. Mm-hmm. And one thing that someone had planted in my head at a very young age, and that's why you have to really be careful who plants those seeds, um, but it was, if you're going to have sex, you might as well get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And so no one told me like, oh, you know, wait till you get married or wait until, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, you're in a committed relationship before doing those things. And so that led me down. I started dancing, started escorting. When I saw the money that could be made, the Bible tells us for the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. And when I say I got addicted, not just to the money, but just the lifestyle, Mm -hmm. Um, being in the clubs, being able to drink. And um, it was just like a party, party time for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. And and um, so I guess now that we know a little bit more about your your story, what would you tell someone that you know was around the same age as you that may be listening to this podcast as to maybe what you've learned? How can how can we maybe take steps to refrain them from going into that path? One of the things that I've learned is you have to have self-love. You know, many times we're searching for love in all the wrong places. Um, We're searching to fill this void. And so we end up trying different drugs and substances because there's just something inside of us that's missing. And oftentimes, well, all the time, uh, we eventually find out that what is missing is Christ, having that relationship with Christ and having that relationship with yourself, loving yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for a person, when they realize that their validation doesn't come from the world, but it comes from who Christ says that they are, it will prevent them from making some of those choices. Wow, that's awesome. And so based on that, what about the people, what about the kids that, you know, don't have that mentor in their life, right? Because I, I, I mean, I agree with what, everything you're saying, but how can they, how can they feel comfortable to go somewhere, you know, that may not be church? Where could, where, do you have any ideas? I'm just brainstorming here. You know what I mean? Like, where would somebody that is younger go to find something like that that's enjoyable, right? I mean, I could think about the 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 magic house that we have here, but even that's for people that are like 18 and mm-hmm. over, you know, but. For the younger generation, what would you say? Maybe creating more content like this for them? I don't know. Yeah, I think we live in an era where social media is, you know, very, very prevalent in in all of our kids' home, you know, in the homes and society. And so I think it really boils down to finding somewhere that they can feel like they are connected, mm-hmm. maybe finding a hobby, a sport, something that they can get into that's going to be positive for them. Um, finding positive influences on TikTok, which is like the biggest thing these days, yeah, but yeah, yeah. finding like positive role models on TikTok who they can learn something from. Mm. Um, I think one of the guys that's out there is that Darman, and a lot of his videos that I've seen have been really inspirational. They're really encouraging, and a lot of kids seem to really be drawn to um, the stuff that he's promoting. Awesome. No, that's a good point. So more educational, motivational content for the younger generation. Okay. So 
let's go, let's get back to the story. So, what happened after you know there? How did you get back into recovery? What drove you to come back? So after years of living that lifestyle and almost losing my life from from being in that life, I had decided I wanted to you know come back to California to be closer to my kids. Um, when I came back to California, though, I was still in my addiction, and my family was just like, "You can't come stay here. Yeah, you know, you're still using. You can't stay here." And that's when I became homeless. And so when I became homeless, um, it just, you know, made it even harder to get sober. I spent about four years living on the streets, cycling in and out of incarceration, um, before I finally was offered help. Uh, One day the Anaheim Police Department came to the spot that I was sleeping at and had asked if I wanted to get help if I wanted to go to a homeless shelter. And that was the first time that I was in the back of the police car and not being taken to jail. Wow. Um, They took me to a shelter for help. Wow, wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. And then your journey started, right? Your journey in recovery. Um, And how was those first, uh, when was, you know, I know I asked you this, but you know, how do you maintain that fire and passion and recovery? When was it that it clicked for you and it made sense like, hey, you know, I could live a life that is fun and healthy that doesn't include the things that I used to do. When I got to the shelter, I got connected to a church Mm. and that was when everything started to change. Um, I got a job, I got back into school and that's when I started to realize like, I didn't have to live the same way that I was living. I didn't have to be in the clubs to have fun. You know, I didn't have to run around town on my bicycle using drugs just to have some type of excitement. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started to really realize like what life was, like being able to just wake up and have peace and joy, Um, having a home to wake up to, you know, having a car to get in and just all of the little things that so many people like take for granted Mm -hmm. is what made me be able to realize like what type of life you can have when you have Christ. Wow. Wow. And it, it gives you so much more appreciation, right? I mean, (laughs) we're talking a little bit about talking a little bit about now that you're back in college, I could only imagine how much more you appreciate sitting there and receiving the information, right? Uh, I can't imagine how much of a positive light you are for the people around you, you know, so just hanging out with you and knowing that you're in recovery by nature, you're Mm -hmm. probably helping a lot more people than you actually recognize or realize simply by being yourself. And this story is definitely going to reach a lot of people. So thank you. You know what I mean? Um, Now, let's talk about what the plan is. Once you get the LSAT, what's the next, you know, five-year plan? So another thing that God has called me to do this year, which I didn't think it would be while I was studying for the LSAT, um, I just recently founded a nonprofit (coughs) organization. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be providing housing for women coming out of the jails here in Orange County. Wow. Um, so one of the biggest barriers that I faced, you know, when I was cycling in and out of incarceration was not having the support and resources mm-hmm. here in Orange County, which is where I'm from. Um, so I wanted to provide that to the women who were going to be exiting the jails. Wow. Um, along with the organization, we are going to provide like holistic services for them. So workforce development, advocacy, family reunification, which is where the LSAT comes in and me being able to have my license as an attorney because I'll be able to help the parents who are being released from jail. Wow, that's amazing. 
and I'm sure you're going to do amazing. You will do amazing. I mean, you have the connections, the resources, and the wherewithal now to kind of mm-hmm. go out there and help people. Now, this is actually brings up a great topic because recently in an A meeting, right, um, the person at the end offered for anybody who was willing to go into the jail program and kind of go speak on panels in jails. I would love to, but I was fucking scared. You know what I mean? I'm not scared in a, in a bad way, but just like, I'm still thinking about what they would be thinking about me. You know what I mean? And I know that's the wrong, that's a misconception on my end. And I know that just being in recovery, we can help a lot more people. But how do you handle those feelings? How do you handle the feeling of maybe, do you deal with anything like that? Um, so I think when it comes to that, like just remembering Christ's love, like, and now it says like love can cast off, cast off all fear. And, um, I don't think I have, I, I use it as a gift. Like God has delivered me and has restored me. And I want to share that with everyone. And I don't really think so much as to what they're going to think or if they're going to judge me or what they're going to say. I just think more so of like, who can I bless with what God has given me and what he has done in my life? Because one thing I always say is he doesn't have any grandchildren. And even though I may feel like a spoiled little, you know, brat and like I'm the only child, I definitely am not. Like we are all his children. And so what he's done for me, he wants to do for all of his children. Wow. And so I'm just willing to share that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I guess, I guess I'm just thinking like, you know, sometimes you're in a meeting and you're speaking and then you kind of, you feel the negative energy. You know what I'm talking about from whoever it comes from. And I'm still working on getting through that. You know, that's just the honest truth. I still haven't got past that. I've learned that I can only be whoever I am Mm -hmm. and I understand that, but I guess I truly don't fully understand it because it still sits there in the back of my head sometimes, you know? Um, But I guess when you come with good intentions, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to find the right people are going to find the right message. And you have to remember, like, not everybody's going to be open to what you have to say. Right. Not everyone's going to accept you. Like, they didn't accept Christ. People rejected him. Yeah. And so they rejected him. You're going to have people that's going to reject you. But just knowing that, like, God is using you to share, you know, your story with others, to help others, to encourage others, um, you're planting the seed. And it's your job to plant the seed, and he'll come along and water it. Wow. Wow. Wow, sometimes I feel like I'm a bamboo tree, though. You know, <laughs> you, you see it and it takes forever to. I'm like, when are you going to sprout? You know, <laughs> but uh, okay, wow, um, that's this has been amazing. Like, I'm super happy for you, for real. I'm really happy for you. I'm really happy for what you're doing in life, what you're going to continue to do, yeah. the lives you're going to impact, your nonprofit organization is going to impact. Um, do you have any final words? You know, like, do you have any message to the people out there that are currently struggling right now? What would you say to them? To anyone who's struggling, I would say find a group of people, even if it's just one person who you can confide in, who can be um, your support system. You know, in this journey, we, we can't do it alone. This isn't something that's meant to be done alone. And we're so much stronger when we're together. Mm. And so it's important that you just find Um, good positive people that you can bring into your circle to help you navigate through this journey wow that's awesome 
Thank you, Stephanie. And, and you know, just before we end here, I want people to know how to find you so they could follow you on your journey, right? So they can see, maybe support you, maybe reach out to you. I know you'll be there to respond to them. Um, what would your social media platform be? So my Instagram is at myfatherschild05. My Facebook is Stephanie Jeffcoat. And if you just type my name in on Google, you'll find every other way to get in yeah. touch with me. And if you're on, and you're on the Cal State Fullerton uh, you know, campus, you might see her around. Definitely. Working hard and studying hard. Wow, it's been an honor to come speak with you today. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Um, you know, we'd love to have you back on in the future uh, to hear more about where you're at in your yeah. journey. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you.